I'm Lucy. I'm a first year primary edge student. Uh, I'll be reading from Mark 4, 1 to 20. <coughs> Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that... They may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed, indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and in a hundred and a hundredfold. Welcome again this lunchtime as we continue looking at this gospel that Mark has put together of Jesus' life. As you know, Bible group, we understand that the Bible is God speaking to us, God revealing himself to us, and because today is God's word to us, it's right to ask him for help in understanding it. And so I'm going to pray and ask God to help us understand his word and help me to be able to speak it out well. And so I'll lead us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that we might be able to hear you as we look at this passage. Help me to be able to speak clearly. Help us to be able to respond rightly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do people keep secrets? It's roughly three reasons I think people keep secrets. One is to avoid embarrassment and shame about something. Everybody in this room, 
uh, has something, we all have something, that if it was known, we would be embarrassed uh, and ashamed. That's one of the reasons we keep secrets. Secondly, to protect something that's precious or valuable. So, KFC <laughs> is not valuable necessarily, <laughs> but their secret recipe is valuable. And apparently it's kept secret in two separate parts and it's brought together by one in one place. Or maybe that's Coca-Cola that does that. They keep the ingredients, the recipe, in two separate places and it's made together in a third place. And nobody knows how it all comes together. No one person. It's all a precious secret to be protected. You might tell me that that's actually all a myth. Uh, you might know the truth and um, see how much of a secret that it really is. Uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> I was say, maybe the, road, the, the codes to the uh, US nuclear missiles are kept a secret, but we're not sure if they are. Only known by the US president, maybe the Russian president, maybe the Chinese <laughs> president too. Or thirdly, secrets are kept to exclude some and include others. This gets learnt very early on in school, in school playgrounds, where you include some by spreading a secret to, or sharing a secret with a couple, but keeping it from the rest. And you might have experienced that. You might have experienced that as someone on the inside, or you might have experienced that as somebody on the outside. Today, we hear Jesus speaking a secret message in Mark chapter 4. A secret message. What sort of secret is he keeping and why is it a secret? You can see down in verse 11 that he's talking about secrets, halfway down the page there, and he said to them, to the 12 disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. They've got the secret of the kingdom of God. Is it a shameful secret? Is it protecting something precious? Is it to include and exclude? Well, Mark chapter 4 takes us by boat, or takes us back to the sea, uh, where Jesus ends up in a boat, and a very large crowd has gathered. And in fact, that's why he's in the boat, because he's sort of crowded off the shore, gets into the boat, and then he addresses the crowd. And he says to them, verse 2, he's teaching them many things, in parables. So we're drawn to this word parable and he says a sower or listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell along the path the birds came and devoured it, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away another seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, <coughs> increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're told that this is Jesus teaching a parable. What is a parable? I was taught as a kid that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, it's a story about something which might be fictitious or real but the details are of a certain nature, but it's got a deeper meaning. 
trying to convey something deeper and more significant than the plain story itself. Now, does Jesus use parables as a teaching device? It's simple stories that are illustrating something that's much more profound uh, to try and maybe explain complex ideas using a simple story. Because stories connect with people and stories in a way that ideas don't. Well, verse 10, we're told that when he was alone, when he was alone, this is after telling the parable, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And then jump down to verse 13, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, I put it to you, if this is meant to be a story that's supposed to make things easy to understand, like an illustration, if I preach it to help understand the message, <coughs> Jesus is not very good at it. Because the disciples have to come and ask him, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, if you don't understand, you're going to understand anything. Uh, it's a bit like a comedian who has to explain the joke. Like, that's not a comedian. It's going to survive very long. What's Jesus doing? If he's trying to make things clear by a simple story, it's not working. And you think if anybody could get something right, it'd be Jesus who could get it right. No, they're not a teaching device. Jesus is not trying to make things clearer for people by telling this story, verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is said in parables. Firstly, Jesus says, there's a secret. There's a secret that's only known to insiders. For those on the outside, it remains hidden in a parable. It's only when they're alone, away from the crowd, that Jesus starts to explain what he was actually talking about. Secondly, and you tuck away, that... Um, the disciples ask him about the parables plural because he talks more than one parable. There's lots of parables and we've only got one here. The rest of the chapter 4 goes on with a few of them. They ask about the parables and Jesus says, well, this is, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest of the parables. This is sort of like the parable par excellence where you, you understand this one. This is the parable about parables. And so you think about understand this one, but unlock the others. See, parables are not a clarifying explanation for the kingdom, for everyone. They're secret messages about the kingdom for some. Not out of shame or even protecting, but to include and exclude. Well, point two, sorting out. It's to include and exclude, to sort out listeners, to insiders and outsiders. The reason why, verse 12, that quote in the middle of your page, so that they may see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Okay. That sounds difficult, doesn't it? Which is why I'm going to get you to have a chat with your neighbours, people around you, to work out what Jesus is actually saying here. What's he mean? Oh, I thought we were reading the picture. Um, don't worry about that for today. Uh, have a chat 
maybe introduce yourself to the person next to you, or around the desk, or behind you, or in front of you, say who you are, uh, make friends, and see if you can work out what this quote, what does Jesus mean by this? I'll give you 30 seconds. No, I'll give you a minute. Go for it. <laughs> say things like that. He can't mean that because Jesus doesn't say those sorts of things. If you come with the presupposition that Jesus doesn't say anything like that, then you won't let him say that. But it sounds like that's what he sort of says. It's the so that at the beginning of verse 12 that he strengthens it. So that. It's like for the purpose that. What on earth is happening here? Isn't Jesus like the chilled out dude who has parties with sinners and tax collectors, like we saw in the last chapter uh, last week. He hangs out with people and they have a great time, has banquets and helps people. <coughs> yes, he is. Doesn't he bring people into the kingdom? Yes, he does. But the way into God's kingdom is not by chilling out and just having a good party, though that's the result. The way into the kingdom is through a message. It's a message, a spoken message, and if you haven't been with us, uh, you may not know this, but if you have been with us, you'll see that there's so much already in Mark's Gospel about Jesus speaking, Jesus preaching, the message, the message over the message, the message. The kingdom comes through a spoken message with two outcomes. There's an outcome of judgment and there's an outcome of salvation. How does that work? 
Well, the parables are an opportunity to hear the message, and it's certainly clear here. So verse 3, listen, a sow went out to sow. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 23, which we don't have here. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. The emphasis is on hear the message, listen to the message. And this parable is sort of like a, a message about the message that we've seen from the beginning of Mark 1, verse 1, when Jesus starts speaking the message. This is his way of, like we've come through three chapters, let me tell you about what's just happened. Here we go. <coughs> what's just happened in the last three chapters of preaching? It's like a sower who's just gone out sowing seed. That's what it's like. That's where we've been, all around the towns and villages and cities in, up in Galilee. We've just been sowing seed. And these are the reactions that seem to happen. It's a message about the message. Everyone is meant to hear it. But not everyone will hear it in the same way. How people listen will sort out whether they, are, whether they really want to hear and whether they're inside God's kingdom or remain outside God's kingdom and unforgiven. And Jesus says it's like the ministry, it's like the job that Isaiah had to do some 800 years before Jesus, because this is the bit that he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, that little quote in the middle. Because Isaiah's job was to preach a message of judgment to the people of Israel. Why? Because generation after generation, the nation of Israel had shut the door on God. Shut the door on God, shut the door on God. And God sent messengers with a message of repent and trust the Lord and he will save you. And so they repented and they trusted the Lord and they, God saved them. And then they shut the door on God. <coughs> and they got a message come from God through a prophet saying, repent and turn back. And they repent and turn back. And then they didn't really actually, and then they just sort of didn't really turn back all that much after all. And the message finally became, it's no longer salvation, Isaiah. I'm going to bring a final end. This cycle, this spiral downwards is not the answer. And what the message is, it's a, it's a message of really nailing where your colours are. It's not the wish you, oh yeah, 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 oh sorry God, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do better the next time, yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. It's a, what's it really going to be? What's it really going to be? Let's draw the line in the sand. Let's make it really clear for you. And for those who just want to go, oh, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem, no problems, they don't hear the message anymore. It's just like, oh, that's a cool story. Jesus, yeah, cool, let's go see him again another day. Cool story. So it goes and so seeds, yeah. You know, not even a good story in one sense. Just. But the answer is given. For those who don't get it, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Well, they go and ask Jesus about it. They go, Jesus, we don't understand what you're saying. They want to find out more. And so, this message... It's like a catalyst. I don't know, did anyone do, do chemistry? 
can make yeah finally some people who know stuff I don't know chemistry <laughs> apparently catalysts do stuff to chemicals and make stuff happen is that right One of the few catalysts I know in existence, one of the like chemical things, is you've got araldite, that really super duper glue, and it comes in two tubes, and like don't get the two tubes mixed up, and they with a syringe, and as you push the syringe, both the things come out and they mix together, and you end up with this hardened glue that just does not give up. And what Jesus is doing, he's saying that he's doing, it's like the message is like that catalyst. It's like, you don't really know, is this like a, what substance is this? Add the catalyst, and the decision goes rock hard. The result is one way or the other. You can't hear Jesus' parables and go, that's interesting, isn't it? That's your decision. That's your response to the message. You do hear it, you don't get it. <coughs> you go, I want to find out, I want to find out more. That, what is Jesus talking about here? Yeah. Some of you are saying, well, it's not really fair, is it? Not really a good way of like, propagating the message. Why doesn't just Jesus be clearer? Why doesn't just Jesus make it clear? And that possibly is a fair question. But before you can even answer that, you guys who hear the secret explained, what are you doing? about hearing the message. So you can't just say, oh, yeah, I, can, I sort of get it now, but it's not fair. I'm not going to do anything about it. I just, it's, if you understand it, what are you going to do about it? Which way are you going to go? Are you going to be a, a spectator or a seeker? A spectator or a seeker? Because that's basically what the, the this soil that Jesus goes on to talk about, or Jesus talks about in his parable. Jesus' audience is divided along the lines of what you could call kingdom spectators, three of the soils, and kingdom seekers, the fourth soil. The characteristics of the spectators are they are superficial. They don't, they don't really get involved in the message. They don't really get it. They really, it's interesting. I love Jesus. He's cool. does neat stuff for people. But they, just, they, just don't, they don't really get what he's on about, really. The first ones in the crowds are barely spectators. Down in verse 14 is the explanation. This, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. It just bounces off. Um, lots of people were met yesterday. Year 13, if you know year 13, they were here. <coughs> they don't worry. But they were doing some training with us on just how to speak to people uh, about Jesus. You might have seen some being met by some. We've met stacks of people, heaps of conversation, conversations across the day. Lots of people were, and one of the questions was, uh, do you think there's life after death? Um, do you think that's an important question? Do you think it's possible to have an answer to that question? And lots of people were just like, Oh yeah, nah. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Catch you later. Uh, on the right, thanks. And they'll never ever have another opportunity to actually try and grapple with life and death and what's beyond life and death. Then there's the stony ground. 
when the bird <coughs> does produce something, some fruit, and it's received with joy. Verse 16, the ones sown on rocky ground, these are the ones when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Troubles and persecutions come. People laugh. The world is a bit cold towards you. Family ridicule you. You lose work shifts because of commitments to church or other things. You go quiet and slowly give up. There are others who sprout and grow but are choked by the cares of the world. So, verse 18. And there are ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This is our problem. This is our generation in our part of the world. The others are as well. But I think for most of us in this room, this is the problem. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. The, the world is not neutral. Most people feel the world is a sort of a level playing field. It's just sort of it's neutral. But it's not. John's Gospel is a great place for understanding the character of the world. The world fundamentally, that is in sin, directed against God, humanity against God, is tilted. If God is here, it's tilted away from God. If you're just in the world, no matter what you are, you're just tilted away from God. Or it's a bit like those travelators in airports, you know, where you just stand on them and you travel along. Like, I can't do sort of the Michael Jackson thing, but you just travel along. Like if God is here, the world is just a travelator heading in that direction. You just have to be in the world and you're going this way. Some people are just against God, and they're facing this way, going this way, walking. And it's a real quick trip away from God. Others who believe in God even have kind of know God and they're pointing this way. But we're just sort of still going, and God's getting a bit smaller and a bit smaller because we're just going with the world. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches is not just a standing still thing. It will, it will drag you away. You have to run against the travelator. And it's really hard, it doesn't look cool, it is not pretty. You'll bump into people along the way and you're going, what do you think you're doing? Turn around and go that way. And if you do run that way for a time, suddenly all your mates that you've been doing life with, they're way ahead. They've got a house and a car and a career. And I've been running this way, which has been darn hard work, 
and look, they're down there. I don't think I'm any closer to being God. I think we just live as far away as ever. To seek after Jesus <coughs> and to seek the kingdom and what he has in the message of the gospel is not pretty, it is not easy, it is not cool, it will not keep you up to speed with everybody else. It won't, you won't be able to achieve all the achievements that everybody else otherwise given. But the world will make it so hard. Because it's just like, come on, so easy. Just you can have I really really respect religion. You can have that. You can have riches and following Jesus. You can have both. You can have both. It's easy. I'm doing it. I can seek first the kingdom of God and I can seek riches as well. Jesus says, You can't do it. You cannot do it. You will hate one and love the other. There are those who are seekers. They're the ones who understand the message. They receive it and accept it and produce fruit. They're not impressive people. They're not people who have it all together. They're not the, the, the missionaries, the great looking missionaries that we'll hear from in a moment, who just have you know, all together. <coughs> through all the things. And the disciples are a good example. They're, they're fishermen. They're dumb fishermen, it seems. <laughs> and they, they just go to Jesus, we don't understand what you're talking about. And as you go through Mark's Gospel, uh, you see that they just get worse. But they want to know. They want to know Jesus. They know he's got something in his kingdom message that's actually making a difference in the world. They just want to stick closely with him. They're sincere seekers of Jesus. But sincere seekers of Jesus who stick with him will be speakers of Jesus and spectators of the world. You're either a seeker of the world and a spectator to what Jesus is doing, or you're a speaker of Jesus and a spectator. To the world going off. I don't mean speaker of Jesus that you're necessarily standing up front giving talks about Jesus. Um, but you do that. But this is the thing that the thing that you profess, uh, the thing that you, you your convictions and things that you hold to, do they ever come out of your mouth? Well, the things that you really do hold to do come out of your mouth. You know, the, the things that you really are chasing after are the things that do come out of your mouth. Or should I say? The things that come out of your mouth are actually, truly, the things that you're chasing after. Jesus says uh, to his disciples, we need to, they need to take the message out before everybody, just to be scattered all over the place. Well, where is it with you? For some, this message about Jesus, that is, that he is the, this is from the other week, God's appointed king to rule over the earth, over all nations. And we'll hear a little bit about that from Stanley Clare. This message that Jesus is God's appointed human ruler. For some it remains a secret. Like <coughs> KFC. 
sort of white KFC, but I eat it from time to time. But I just don't really understand it. I don't really, <laughs> I don't understand it really. Uh, it just remains a secret thing that I don't really know. For others who get it, it remains something that we wrestle with. We can't, we're not happy just where we are. We want to know more. We need to walk more closely with Jesus. We need to keep turning and repenting. We need to keep Jesus at the forefront. Well, that's you. Then be somebody uh, who tries to speak for Jesus. We have a thing called conversations. Uh, it's a very small little practical thing you can do where we just learn to speak about Jesus. Baby steps at doing that. Just put down on your card, if that's you, I'd like to join conversations, maybe on the thoughts bit on the back. And um, that's one way you can put this sort of stuff into practice. But we want to hear a bit more about what God is doing in the world in this message. I'm going to pray that God, that God's word, might penetrate deep into our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message you've given to us through the Lord Jesus. Help us not to be spectators to the kingdom who grasp it for a little while and then move on. Lord, pray that we might be people who seek to grasp this message and put it into effect in our lives. And Lord, that you might bring about a fruit for your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Uh, hi everyone, um, my name is Heather and I'm in my second year of social work and I'd just like to invite you guys to pray with me now, so let's pray. Um, Lord God, um, gracious, loving, um, sovereign over all things, um, we thank you that even though we turn against you time and time again and we deserve your judgment, Lord, we just thank you that yeah, you open our hearts and soften our hearts um, to the truth of your word, that you bear fruit in our hearts um, and in the hearts of those um, who you choose to come to know you. Mm. Lord, we thank you um, so much that we can partner um, with you and your church um, in giving to the Uni Bible Group this week and that this um, provides financially for um, the staff and for the group. And we just pray as members that if we can, we will joyfully give um, so that we can continue to proclaim <coughs> Jesus Christ at university. Lord, we thank you for other universities such as the Christian Union in Vict at Victoria University in Melbourne Lord, we pray that the members of that Christian group might be able to develop fruitful relationships with other students on campus in the way um, that they represent the gospel um, and how this reflects Christ. And Lord, we pray that people might be um, interested in coming along to their mid-year summit um, this year. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be continuing to bear fruit in their hearts and growing them in their knowledge and love of Christ and that people may come to know you if they don't already. Um, Lord, we also pray for unreached people in India and Benia. Um, we pray for the small communities of remote people. Um, Lord, that even though it's really hard to share the gospel there, that you might continue to send people out to these communities to develop loving relationships with them and to share the great news of Jesus. Um, in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.